Blog Talk Radio. Celebrate 
hashtag fire field day. You know, I had a very good lunch hour. <laughs> and I actually had a nice cold one at the casino and uh, <laughs> downtown. And I posted pictures on, on Instagram for that, so that was real fun. But at any rate, I can't believe that someone who fancied himself as the smartest dude in the room when he was coaching could be so terrible, terrible as an, as an executive the way Phil Jackson was. You know, it's it's always been said that those that can play extremely well may not necessarily be able to coach. Right. Then, of course, you have the exception to the rule. See Larry Bird and uh, 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 Bill Russell, but it's a possibility with Bill Russell being that he had one of the better teams in the league at the time. That sure. They were made, they may have been coasting at that moment, but who knows? Either way, great player, one as a coach as well. Same thing as Larry Bird. He didn't win a, a title, but he, he had a very high win percentage. Now, there are also coaches that coach extremely well that can't necessarily assess talent. See Phil Jackson. Now, there's always been controversy on Phil Jackson's coaching ability because of the fact uh, of how many, not just All-Stars, but Hall of Famers he's had in his ranks while coaching in the NBA. Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. Scotty Pippen, uh, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal. So he's been blessed. He really has been yes, blessed yeah. as a head he's coach. He's been flat-out lucky. Let's just put it, just be real. He, he's been flat-out lucky. I mean, he never had to build a team from scratch in his life. No, he I mean, has not. Seriously. Yeah. Well, I never understood uh, that that Chicago team was loaded, but it was talented. It was still a, a four or five seed in the NBA East during the time in which he took took it over from Phil, uh, not Phil, because from Doug, from Doug Collins. So it Doug was still Collins, a respectable yeah. team, you know, when, when he took that over. But my God, when he came to LA, they were still loaded, even with uh, the license of Del Three. And uh, Eddie Jones and Kobe Bryant. So that team was, was still relatively talented even before Shaq. Um, well, actually, Shaq came around that time as well. So that, that team was, was, was relatively yeah, loaded when he got to L.A. But, but mm-hmm. when it came for him to actually have to build a franchise and assess talent, the thing, my thing is this. You know when you're not doing a good job, right? You should mm-hmm. know relatively quickly, especially when you're playing in an 82-game season. At that point, why did you just hire an assistant to come in and help you out? Uh, unless you just have that right. huge of an ego. You know, as much trash as he's talked to, uh, to Red Arbach uh, or talked about Red Arbach in terms of him and his winning, you know, now it's been proven that he's not necessarily a great assessor of talent. But... um you know, for me to get ready to date myself, it just seemed as though that the Knicks fans on that day, it, it seemed like the end of the Wiz, where the, the Knicks fans were yelling and screaming, can you feel a brand new day? You know, dudes jumping around in, in gold dolls uh, and half-dressed women <laughs> skipping around, singing tunes written by Luther Vandross. I'm not saying that anything's wrong with that, but 
Some sure. of you guys were a little overboard in terms of your celebratory actions with Phil being gone, but I completely understand because God knows there's a GM here in D.C. that I'm, I'm waiting to go. God knows. He was terrible. He was terrible. He, he, yeah. he seriously needed to go. I mean, I mean, it should have seemed like Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman's reaction. Two lifelong Knicks fans. Fellow Knicks fans. Uh, Stephen A. was over the top. But, I mean, the oh, way yeah. Kellerman put it, I mean, totally on point. I mean, it seemed like, I know this is getting in conspiracy theory territory, but let's just put it this way. Phil never wanted the job. Apparently, hmm. Noah had reported Phil's ass for several years, well, like the, like maybe four or five years before he actually took the job. Kept offering more mm-hmm. money, more money, and more money. And he still wanted to take the job. Finally, you know, who would turn down $60 million? Who would turn down $60 million? $12 million per year. Five yeah. years. I mean, the thing is, I mean, let's, 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 let's just call him, okay? What was the first thing that Phil Jackson did? He fired a you know what? And, and Woodson, who led the Knicks to 54 wins. Yes. Two seasons prior. Now, remember, like, the season, like, you know, the season that he was canned after, he won, they won 37 games, but they suffered injury after injury after injury. I mean, which all, you know, I mean, truth be told, I mean, it could have been much worse, but, Wood, like, Woodson, like, managed, I never forget what's his first name, but Woodson managed to get them to within 500. Mm-hmm. And Phil Jackson broke them off for who? Uh, Derek Fisher, the immortal Derek Fisher, who never coached a game in his life. Was Not high school all. game, college game. He wasn't even a damn assistant. He never coached no. a game in his life, a day in his life. And let's just bring him in to replace a respected coach like Woods. And, of course, what happened, predictably, <laughs> they sucked. We, we started sucking. And, you know, also, that was, you know, the second year, of course, Derek Fisher embarrassed us when he was boinking um, uh, Gloria Gobar, whatever the hell her name is, who was like, um, uh, who's the guy who likes to fight? Forget his name. Oh, uh, Matt Barnes. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. Steel Girl. Yeah, Matt Barnes. Yes. Who was the But still, oh, yes. what was significant about that was um, apparently uh, uh, Fisher and Barnes were once boys. I mean, uh-huh. this, in addition to being an inept coach who couldn't coach away on a paper bag, Fisher violated the all-time man rule. You don't screw your, your, your like, like your boy's ex. Yes. You don't screw his woman, you don't screw his ex, especially right after the fact. He just don't no. do that. I don't care how fine she is. You just don't do it. Maybe do it in private, but you don't do it in public. Okay? Okay? You just don't do it in public, at least. But it can be just that. Yeah, that's and it was a part of the game. It was just crazy. But, but, but anyway, that's, that's really not important. You know, the, you know, the point <laughs> is that Bill tried to force an antiquated offense, which works in, in spurts here and there. But it should mm-hmm. be a primary offense. I mean, look how much the league has changed. I mean, he go. He just it was. He married himself in the triangle and forced it down upon his team. The Knicks were running guns, not running guns, but they were up tempo teams under Woods. Yeah. They, again, that won him an Atlanta Division title and a second round playoff appearance, and and um, you know, <laughs> and fifty four wins. 
But he got rid of that and started over, and he threatened to start the mix all over again, like a second reboot, when he tried, when he alienated Carmelo Anthony and tried to trade Porzingis, which was not necessarily the last throw. The last throw was like him trying to buy out Carmelo and yes. get him, let Carmelo go for nothing. That was the final draw. That was the, that was the last straw. And I, I didn't think that Phil never won the job. I think Phil, I think Phil accidentally hit the good play in, in Porzingis. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> I actually thought that he didn't know what the hell he was doing when he picked Porzingis in the first place. I mean, he never, it's not like he ever scouted it. I mean, True. people who work underneath him, like Steve Mills, the GM Steve Mills, and come in, they did scouting. Probably told Phil, please don't draft him. Please don't draft him until draft him anyway. And now we draft the dude, some French dude. I can't even pronounce his last name. I'm not even going to try Frankie somebody. I know it's French. Yeah, I can't remember what his name is either. You're right. Yeah, he's first in his Frank. That's all I know. His first dog, so I'll call him Frankie. He'll be no, his fourth is Frank. So he drafts Frankie <laughs> with the uh, with the, the, the eighth, eighth pick of the draft. And so I don't know who the hell Frankie is. I just know he's some French dude that people say he has skill and can play. But again, what is Phil Jackson doing? Why hasn't I heard for, uh, like heard of this guy? Why hasn't many people heard? Haven't many people heard of this guy? So. You know what, though, Scott? One of the things is there are a lot of guys in this draft where people were left scratching their heads wondering who are these guys because, of course, a lot of these guys were drafted straight off potential, and that's something I guess we'll talk about a little bit later as well. But you're right. Yeah, we will. Um, That's one of the things in terms of of, of analyzing or, or scouting international players, especially young international players, they don't tend to do well, and statistically their numbers aren't that great. So your hope is that they can come over, learn the game, and that their game translates well into the NBA. My thought is this, mm-hmm. though. There's a possibility that a lot of the guys that were on the Knicks and that Phil Jackson ended up picking up later may not have had the basketball IQ in order to run the triangle. Now, not being a Knicks fan, and not necessarily analyzing it from that perspective, that could be the case. But at the same time, like you said, the game has evolved, and running the triangle is, is, is something that these players may not necessarily want to run either. So there's a whole lot of discipline yeah. that comes with running the triangle, and, and they just didn't have the guys. They should have just went ahead and adapted. That's what great coaches do anyway. They adapt their style to the players in which they have. Right. Right. Not alienate your two best players, one which because it blew up a freaking exit interview. I mean, come on. Really? Really, Phil? Can't fire Phil this. So every, I said yesterday on, on social media, June 28th, the same month that brought us Juneteenth, by the way, would be henceforth <laughs> known as hashtag fire Phil day. For wow. fans everywhere. We're going we're gonna to celebrate. Fans, Knicks fans everywhere will celebrate. That's that's our new holiday. Fire Field Day, June 28th, 10th sport. So, from that one blockbuster to another, the Chris Paul trade. That came out of nowhere. I I was shocked. I don't know about you, brother. I was shocked. Because I knew that Chris Paul wanted out. Even though he opted in because brother loves his money. And I can't blame him for that. But, yeah, I knew he wanted out. Now, I didn't know the salacious details that allegedly occurred, which led to his departure, 
Paul Paul <laughs> could be traded, um, i.e. Doc Rivers and Austin Rivers. We'll get to that momentarily. I expected I expected Paul to land with someone like San Antonio, who would like with a coach who not only knows how to manage veterans' minutes to preserve mm-hmm. throughout the season, but guaranteed a spot in the, at least in the West, no worse than the Western Conference Finals most seasons. Um, you know, with a guy who's won five titles, should have won six or seven to be honest with you. Um, yes. and, and and given Chris Paul its, it's best chance of overtaking Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. And even though now even though I like him in Houston, even though I like he and James Harden to get like James Harden was apparently was recruiting the hell out of Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think this will work, whereas, you know, both players are mature enough to know, okay, one of us is better coming off the ball and while the other one like orchestrates the show, which Leaks me to think that it'd be James Harden, even though he had his best season as a point guard under Dan and Tony, who was a hell of an offensive coach, by the way. We know that. But, you know, James Harden, to me, is more like a two-guard. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, I think he's more effective. Even though he had all this gaudy, all those gaudy stats last season as a point guard, I think he's a, better, he's a natural two-guard. And... When he played like his last game in the playoffs against San Antonio, he was he was exhausted. He was tired, and because he had to carry the entire load. Now he has a guy in Chris Paul who could actually orchestrate the offense and can trust Paul to get him the ball and the in the in the, in, in, in the more opportune spaces. Paul is Chris Paul is one of the best point guards in the league, pure point guards in the league. So True. even though he's ball dominant. He's a pure point guard of him. He'll get James Harden his shot. He'll get James Harden his touches. I don't think we have to worry about that. Now, they had to cut his team. That he said to get the team a little bit to get the depth to get it done. I mean, Patrick Beverly. Exactly. He's, I mean, he's a rough run. I mean, he would have I mean, you know, it's too bad that they had to get rid of him. And well, not just him. Also, Lou Williams as well. That was another guy yeah. who I was a little disappointed yeah. to see go. Right, and, and, and I think Sam Decker can play. He has a future in this league. I I think exactly. he can play. And, 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 uh, and uh, like, um, what's that cat name from Louisville? Like, Harrell? Uh, boy, I got I, I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now. Yeah, but he's a damn good player, too. He was a second-round draft pick out of Louisville like a, a few seasons ago. He's, he's pretty damn good, too. So, they had to get their depth to acquire Paul, on the, which may or may not be a winning risk. So there's a lot of risk involved with that. But I'm like, look, why the hell not? Just shake it up a little bit. At least, mm-hmm. you know, they still have still a lot of their depth. Still, Houston does. But at least it gives James Harden help, at least on the offensive end. And guess what? Chris Paul can play a little defense, too. He play a little bit of defense. Yeah, yeah. Except for the highlights in which you see uh, Steph Curry... <laughs> Uh, doing I know you're going to. Yeah, but it's not crazy. That's what's on everybody. So that's nothing to me. So I'm, I'm not too upset about that. Right, right. Right. But 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 I, am I the only one that thinks that this is a good deal for a win-win for both Chris Paul and the Rockets? You might be. Because at best, all they do is move up one slot to the number two spot in the West. I don't think that they overtake uh, Golden State. And the only reason sure. why I have them moving up to the number two slot 
is because I'm a little uh, 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 I'm a little concerned in what San Antonio is going to do, which sounds a little weird. There's already been talk about potentially moving LaMarcus Russell, not Russell, I'm sorry, LaMarcus Aldridge, and depending on who they get back for him or if he stays, that'll determine how well that franchise plays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, look, this is why I think about L.A., you know, the Clippers now. All right, so we're going to shift gears to Doc and Austin Rivers. Now, okay. apparently there's been talk that Doc has given Austin Rivers carte blanche within the organization, you know, because mm. he's the GM. He's a GM as well as the coach. He picks the players. And mm-hmm. so, you know, for one thing, they said that Doc was, hadn't been an easy coach to play for. He was an IFS. Barron doesn't let his uh, assistant coaches talk to the media. Um, and he is he's like, it's his way of the highway. And the fact that a lot, you know, this was all that a lot of his players that resented the way he treated Austin compared to the other players. He held them to a different mm. standard. And apparently Chris Paul got tired of that and just said, bump it. I want out of here. I want out of here. I, I, I can't deal with this anymore. You know, I'm going mm. to and, and you know, no, no, no. People like going to ask, well, why didn't Houston wait till he became a free agent? But that's because Chris Paul opted in to his last year because, again, he loves his money. So, you know, if, if he didn't opt in, there's no guarantee that in his in his mind they would have gotten the same amount of compensation had he had opted out. But now, what this does is. It, it, even if he wanted to go, even if Chris Paul wanted to go to a place like Houston, Houston's depth has been compromised, which is one thing mm-hmm. that gave me pause and pause about this trade, if you will. But I still think that those two could work together. They're both veterans. They're both stars in this league. They know how to get it done. And I think they'll figure it out. I think that Antonio is very creative offensively. He'll figure out a way to work, make it work. And, you know, I think the West has become a three-headed monster with with Golden State, of course, being the top dog, followed by now 2A and 2B, if you will, with Houston and San Antonio. It's gotten a lot tighter at the top. But I think it's a three-horse race in the West because of this trade. Yeah, but my concern, which is the same concern that I have for Cleveland, as much as Cleveland yeah. is chasing another superstar, I'm saying right. that they need to get better role players. It's not the superstars that they have problems with. Now, adding another superstar might help, but it will be cheaper to add better role players and just to go ahead and have somebody that's going to play defense for you, get you a bucket when you need it, and get you boards when you need it. And that's exactly where Cleveland struggled. And that's going to be a situation where I think Houston is going to struggle because then, depending upon – who they bring in to replace the guys that they've let go, it's going to be a test to see exactly how they play throughout the season. Yeah, speaking of teams, Cleveland, like, acquiring more superstars, let's talk a little about Paul George for a minute. Now, mm-hmm. we all know that Paul George wants out of Indiana. He just says, yo, I'm not resigning. <laughs> he just told him straight up, I'm not resigning here. In fact, I would prefer to play for my hometown Lakers. 
Now, there's one problem with that. If George, if Paul George is really serious about winning, he shouldn't be trying to go to the Lakers, at least not right at this moment, okay? Just, 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 let, just let Magic Johnson do his thing from the executive, point, like from the executive standpoint and, 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 and try to work his magic, no pun intended, that way so that maybe then the Lakers will be more and more attractive. Hey, maybe if, um, if, if Warren Street is true about Russell Westbrook wanting to go back to L.A. and, and join the Lakers, Maybe he could join there. Maybe Paul can join that team too. But mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if you heard about this rumor three-way deal between Cleveland, Indiana, and I think shit, I think it's Denver. It was um, Denver, yes. Okay, good. That's what I thought, Denver, where you know Cleveland would get uh, Paul George, um, Indiana would get. I think Indiana would get um, uh, uh, Kevin Love, maybe another draft pick. And um, I forget who the hell. The, the, okay, what happened? Because uh, I forgot. I think. Like, uh, go ahead, sorry. Oddly enough, Kevin Love would go to the Nuggets. Now, the reason why I oh, think that's okay. odd, and, and this is for people who are like me who really pay attention to commercials. Remember the series of State Farm commercials Kevin Love, Kevin Garnett, Chris Paul? And, and and Damian Lillard all did it a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, and yeah. and that series of commercials, there is one commercial where Kevin Love is eating chicken nuggets, and he looks into the camera and says, "I like nuggets." Mm. Maybe it was foreshadowing. Maybe, mm. maybe not. I'm not saying it's Illuminati. I'm just saying <laughs> things like that happen. It just seems to be too close to home. Yes, I'm paying attention, but maybe I'm paying too much attention. But yeah, it would be Paul George for Cleveland. Yes, yeah. it was. That entire series was hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, bro. But yeah, uh, Kevin Love would go to Denver, and the scraps, if you will, would, would go to Indiana. Gotcha, gotcha. But even then, I mean. So basically, you would have like a net result of LeBron, Kyrie, and Paul George, which ain't yes. bad. Some people no. may think it's an upgrade, actually, <laughs> because like not only Paul is Paul George younger. I think he may be about the same age as as uh, as Kevin Love, but Paul George actually played some defense as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think back to this, to this past finals. Kevin Love was like he. He, he he didn't have a good fight. He just didn't. No. Um, he was exposed fast and quickly by Golden State. You know they um, they, they 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 like maybe it was the addition of Kevin Kevin Durant, but I just think that they just really exposed Kevin Love with lack of defense or whatever throughout the, the entire finals. It wasn't even it was it was a, it was an unfair fight mm-hmm. if you were to look at it, but. Basically, so I think that'll be an, an upgrade. So, why I think that'll put Cleveland over the top of Golden State, I don't not this. I don't necessarily think so. I think it'll be a lot tighter, but still, I would like that deal. And I think Paul George would stay in Cleveland as long as LeBron and Kyrie are there, and not necessarily mm-hmm. want to go out to LA. And also, there's another team that's interested: the Boston Celtics. Yeah, you know, Boston has such an oval. They said they have so many assets. I was surprised Boston hadn't made a big move by this point. I was shocked that they didn't get uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Butler. 
with all those picks and all those assets that they have. I'm surprised that they allowed him to go to uh, Minnesota instead, which is, by the way, great for Minnesota. I don't yes. know what the hell Chicago is doing, but great for Minnesota. Uh, but, but at any rate, I, I think that Butler would have been a great fit in Boston because he knows how to win. He's not afraid of LeBron, and he's, he's a great two-way player. And I think that Paul George, while not as great a two-way player as Jimmy Butler is, I think he's a good two-way player, at least very mm-hmm. good two-way player. And I think he'll be a great addition in Boston. And I think that if Boston made the move uh, to add Gordon Hayward as well, by the way, who has to – he's probably the only – one of the few white boys that has the tightest fades I've ever seen. I mean, I'm not man-crushing, but he has a nice fade. But, but nevertheless. And the Jason in Utah. Go figure. Exactly. Go figure that. But – <laughs> but I think that those two guys, I mean, especially Hayward going back to play for his old coach and Brad Stevens, who I think is one of the better coaches in the NBA. Uh, I really think he is. But I, I think that that will close, tighten the gap with, with, with Cleveland as well because mm-hmm. Boston, I, I think Paul George will help Boston immensely because Boston, as you, as you can tell by last year's playoffs, they're not really all that talented. They got those wins. Because of a lot of times, because of Brad Stevens, his coaching mm-hmm. ability. I mean, you can't we can't expect to do much if your best player is five foot nine. I mean, no offense to, to the short brother, shorter brothers out there, but let's just be honest. You can't. It's hard to win in the NBA with the talking playoffs with the best player being five foot nine and out there. And I know he went through tragedy with sister being killed in the car accident. God bless him and his family, but. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's be real here. If Chicago didn't didn't lose Rajon Rondo, who Boston had no answer for, they would have swept him. They would have swept the hell out of Boston. I mean, they dominated the first two games. They should have swept Boston. And then they went seven. I, I think Washington was a better team in the second round than Boston was. Washington just didn't have the heart to close them out. And, you know, we all know what happened when Boston faced Cleveland. That was a gentleman's foot that I've ever seen one. So I, I think that Paul George will make an awesome addition to more a better a better uh, addition to Boston. Even though I think that George would rather go to Cleveland, ball with LeBron, ball with Kyrie, and they'll have an outstanding team, uh, provided that they're able to keep so, so like most of their depth. But I but I think that Paul George would be a better fit for Boston. And I think that Boston would be a lot better with him and perhaps Gordon Hayward in free agency. So there will be monsters with both uh, PG and Gordon Hayward. But it just – well, Hayward, I'm sorry. But it seems as though yeah. Boston is really locked in on Hayward. They really want him. Yeah. So yeah. I think it would actually be a disappointment if they walk away this offseason without Gordon on their roster. Right. Right. Because they need, again, Boston, they have a lot of heart. They're gritty. They're well coached. But they're not all that talented. I mean, yeah. they're just not. They're not that talented. And it showed his phase in the playoffs the past year. So I think they need Gordon Hayward. And I think Isaiah would, would welcome that because I'll give him help. They'll mm-hmm. give him help. You know, they'll help the ball move. And, 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 I, and I think that Boston needs a better point guard 
and, and that would allow Isaiah to move off the ball. Where I think he's better off the ball. He's a two guard mess play, and that's a point guard. He's fine now. So I, I just I, I, I just think that um, you know there's another reason why I think Paul George would be a better fit because I think Paul George would handle the ball more. I think he'll handle the ball more and and play better defense and give you know Isaiah a break. And while you know he and Hayward just fill up the stat sheet. I think Boston would be silly to not at least pursue Paul Paul George. They may get to George and still, but I think they'd be still would be silly. Mm-hmm. They didn't have all those assets that Boston has, all those damn draft picks. I mean, I, I know that Danny Ainge is a great GM, by the way. Wants to do it the old-fashioned way and build for a van long. He learned that from Brad Arbach, Arbach. But you got this is a win now. And LeBron window is closing, and you know what? Better if you want. I mean, to me, I would want to challenge Spence right now, especially if I had to ask him to do so. But I, I again, I understand where Ainge is coming from, but why not? Why not challenge for you? Why? Why not go? Why not swing for the fence because you're Ben Ainge? Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you just think that, as a whole, this team just isn't ready. But they need to continue to add just a couple of more pieces. That's my only thought. If they don't attempt to make that move, yeah, I think they should make it. I really do think they should make. It. I mean, imagine how much interest in the NBA would be. You already have Chris Paul in Houston. That makes it like the Western Conference three headed monster. Imagine if 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 Boston landed both Hayward and Paul George to trade. I mean, mm. it'll be it'll. We would, it, you would, you would legitimately have a two-headed monster in the East. You really would. And again, I like Coach Brad Stevens a lot better than I do Ty Lue. I just do. But uh, I, I think last year was born as hell. Well, I knew the Clippers was coming out of the East, and to a certain extent, we we figured that Golden State would come out the West. At least the NBA got a lot more interesting over the last couple of days, and it'll be a lot more interesting yeah. if they. If, if, if Boston just throws caution to win and uses assets to get stars, to acquire stars, and challenge LeBron James for Eastern Conference supremacy. Uh, one last thing before we touch on the NBA draft. I forgot to mention this while I was talking about my beloved Nixon. Hashtag Firefield Day. Aside from kidnapping James Dolan and putting him out of his misery, who, what, what should the Knicks do? If they want to get back to being a respectable franchise, they had have been throughout the eighties and nineties and early two thousand. Wow, um, I've, I've said this on your show multiple times, and I believe this is true. I believe this to be true in any sport. The organization needs to have an identity. What are the Knicks yeah. right now? You know, and they need to go ahead and develop one. Once they do that, then you go ahead and get the talent. To play within that identity. Mm-hmm. Yes, I totally, totally agree with that. But who, who should? I, I think that Mark Jackson is that identity. I think that they need a guy who's a New Yorker through and through, who knows the landscape of New York, who's beloved. They need to go back into the family. He's like a, he's a Nick, obviously. And you know, I, I think that he would give the Knicks much needed toughness. I think Carmelo. And Chris Stocks Porzingis would welcome that. 
And I think that, you know, just, just let's, let's, go, let's look at what Jackson did in Golden State before they ran him off, and, you know, like, for, like for some reason just ran him off out of Golden State. He made Golden State tough. Now, Steve Kerr came in with the system and took him to the stratosphere. But, and I'm glad that Steve Kerr mentioned this, he wouldn't have the he wouldn't have had that success. He being Steve Kerr would have the success that he is he's enjoyed the last three seasons if it wasn't for Mark Jackson laying the foundation. So that's what the Knicks need. They need a foundation. They need toughness. They need they need stability. They you know and that identity would be best better served if we brought in Mark Jackson. I don't know what we're going to do as a head coach. I don't think that Jeff Hornacek is the answer. Never thought he was. Um, I think that I think that Nadolin should use his brain for once. And you know, I know he did it earlier when he fired Phil Jackson after the fact, but I think that he needs to go back to the to, to the to family and bring back Mark Jackson and help get our franchise on the right path. That's that's just now, would you be a, would you be opposed to Mark Jackson coming back as both a GM and a coach? Yes. Yes. I mean, okay. it's hard to wear two hats. It's hard to wear two hats. You just got to pick one. I mean, aside from Bill Belichick and to a certain extent, uh, Greg Popovich in San Antonio, but like, like being people do not, like being people have forgotten that Greg Popovich came from the front office coach way back, like, like back in the day, and, and he drafted um, he and RCB for the gym drafted Tim Duncan, but basically. Greg Popovich came from the front office to coach the team. So he and a few other coaches, I do mean a, a handful, a minute handful of coaches could do it. I've done it and done it well. It's just, it's just, I mean, it's more or less, let's put it this way. The rule is more or less marked like Stan Van Gundy in, in, in Detroit. He's struggling. He's a very good coach, but he's not the best GM. So I, I think that Mark Jackson should focus on coaching. Bring us on like uh, Toronto GM. I forget his name. That that uh, that funny African guy who cracked on, um, <laughs> who called out uh, uh, Paul Pierce a few years ago. <laughs> yes, I know exactly. I can't remember what his name is, but I do remember yeah. the incident. Yeah, I don't give a shit about it. That was class. That was the funniest line I ever heard. Um, by the way, and you to folks. Google, like, Toronto GM, Paul Pierce, you'll see the video. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think that you're bringing someone like, like him as a, um, I, and, or at least someone who's competent, okay, and just let Mark Jackson do the coaching. And I think that would be the best thing. Hell, if they can't get the GM, at least, at least let Steve Mills stay here. He's done a, good, he's done a decent job at the GM here in Allen Houston, assistant GM. And, and, but just we need a coach. We need a coach to can bring back that identity and, and get it out of the players. Who better to do that than the native son and Mark Jackson? And speaking of which, we'll get we're speaking of the native sons, we'll get you out here on this one, but we'll close out on this. Um, well, LeVar Ball spoke into his existence. He got his wish that um, of, 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 of his son Lonzo getting drafted by the Lakers. And what do you know? Second pick of the draft. They, they drafted Lonzo Ball, and, you know, they traded away D'Angelo Russell to make it happen, which is, a, I think, it was always a great trade, by the way. I think D'Angelo is very overrated, and he's not, he's yeah. not a leader. Um, but with that being said, 
I think that Lonzo, we, we debated a little bit last week as far as the best of the draft. I think Lonzo has the best shot at being a superstar in this league. I think mm. he has the height. He has the height. He's six foot eight, six foot seven, six foot eight. He, he has the uncanny gift to see the floor as a point guard. I mean, again, sure. I know we talked about this last week. UCLA was a sub-500 team before he arrived, okay? We arrived, the team was 31-5. and And that's because I know he had another star son with him, he balled with, who also got drafted. Uh, But the the whole thing is, if you watch this game, you see the way his court vision is uncanny. He moves the ball up the court. I mean, he doesn't, he's not a ball dominant. He gets people involved. He's so unselfish, and he can shoot the rock on top of that. I think that would help. I think that would go well on Lakerland. They won't make the playoffs this year as far as ball, but I think the no. future is bright in L.A. because I really like this kid's ability to pass. I mean, a lot of stuff you just can't teach. He's got it. And I think that he will be fine as long as his dad stays the hell out of the way. <laughs> I think LeVar would, I mean, I think Lonzo would be fine. Now, remember, we had a, a big point guard come out of the draft a couple of years ago who was actually a former National Player of the Year, and Evan Turner go to Indiana, if I remember correctly. And right now, I've got an APB to try to figure out exactly what roster he's on. I know he's still in the league. <laughs> I just can't remember where he is right now. So I, I understand you have the physical, you know, and intangibles in, in terms of having what it takes to look like an NBA player. I just want to know right. whether or not he can play well on this level with grown men and being able to right. compete against other grown men and right now being losing on a regular basis because that's what's going to happen in L.A. How is he going to handle that? And we've already seen a situation where he played against Kentucky and Fox where he didn't look too well after that loss. So I want to know how is he going to handle a 40, 50, maybe even a 55-loss season in L.A. So mm-hmm. that, that's, that's, those are my concerns. So I, that's, right. that's what I'm waiting to see. But we, we've been talking about a lot of the talent that was in this draft. Scott, you know a lot better than I do who a lot of these guys are because, like I said, mm-hmm. after the third pick, I found myself scratching my head trying to figure out who these guys were and, and yeah. why, outside of potential, they were being taken so high. And, and trying to figure out why GMs are st- have gone into this direction and have been in this rut, if you will, in terms of yeah. drafting for potential instead of drafting instant talent, especially in franchises that need instant talent. Because a lot of these guys yeah. that I've seen over the past five years, now mind you, one of the things that I noticed over the past five years, the National Player of the Year was not drafted number one overall, even though that used to be a thing in the 80s, 90s, and early two, and and actually 80s and 90s up until the 2000 draft, where, of course, you started taking international players and Yao Ming and and, uh, high school guys and freshmen. Now you have the five straight. It's like a bunch of guys who uh, you're hoping will play well. And I'm just trying to figure out, will this pan out? And why is it that the streak has gone on so as long as it has? Because it just hasn't 
panned out. Now, mind you, let me say this. Just because you're the national player of the year doesn't mean necessarily that your game is going to translate into the NBA. That is very true. And, that is very you know, true. And, and, and there are a lot of cases of that. But um, but for the most part, if you were a national player of the year, you played pretty well. The last national player of the year to be drafted number one overall, like I said last week, was Blake Griffin. So it, 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 we, we know that he's an all-star caliber guy. It's just I don't know why that no one is focusing on these guys. As a matter of fact, Frank Mason, who was national player of the year, didn't, wasn't taken until 34th in this draft. I know. So that, that, was, that was kind of a – <laughs> exactly. That was kind of a head scratcher for me. But um I, I'm just wondering when will this trend break? Because it just hasn't worked and I understand that a lot of these guys, especially these freshmen who have been coming in in their first year have been getting injuries. But there has to be something yep. where I, 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 these guys probably just aren't ready for the rigors of playing NBA ball. Whereas you got a guy that's a sophomore or junior or senior that at least has two College years under his belt may be a little bit better fit physically. Well, I blame the GMs. I blame the front office guys for, for only drafting potential. When was the last time any NFL executive really dropped their own potential? It rarely happens because yeah. they've done their homework. They have allowed these players to mature. And I know that the NFL is different. They don't have the one and done rule. I get that. But mm-hmm. even still, I, I, I think that. You know, this this goes back. We could do a whole show about this. There'll probably be one in the next couple of weeks over this because we're like 45 minutes in. But I I think that the own the way the NBA is trying to save itself from itself when it comes to bringing these young brothers in, and young young guys in general in, uh, it's mm-hmm. just sad. I I think that if them drafting kids, literally kids who who are not even ready. I mean, they just I mean. I mean, sure, LeVar Ball, he may be transitioning and everything. He may be uh, transcending everything else. And a few other guys, I know Josh Jackson, our Kansas can ball. It's just that they, they, those should be the exceptions, not the rule. I mean, exactly. these guys, these NBA executives should do their homework on these other young, young men and not take them so high. Because, I mean, I know it's, it's taking a toll on the, on, the, on the college game. But bump that. We don't have to talk about the NBA. The NBA suffers because it's it's exactly. down. It's not. I mean, you got teams that perennially suck. You know, they draft high every year. The Brooklyn Nets, for example. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 just a damn shame. And, and it's too bad that these young men, who I know that they, I have a funny feeling that the NBA PA and the NBA owners are going to raise the age limit to two years. I mean, the, uh, the, the, you know, to, to 20 years old. In other words, they have to stay in school for at least two years of college if they choose to go to college if they don't play overseas. Mm-hmm. But even and I think they should. Have come down to that. Yeah, exactly. and I get that. And a lot of people think that, and that's nothing wrong if you think that or not. The fact of the matter is the NBA is a private entity. They can do whatever the hell they want. But I'm True. just saying that if, if they needed all of that to protect themselves from themselves, I think it's sad. And I think you know, it, it just goes to show that the NBA executives, they really don't know what the hell they're doing. I saw the few players here and there. So, you know, it is what it is. But, again, we can that, – that's a whole other podcast in itself. But uh, Yeah, I, I, want your listeners, I want your listeners to do me a favor. Look at the lottery picks over the past five years and see exactly how many guys have played on multiple teams. And that is also including D-League teams. 
It's a whole lot of them. You have exceptions mm-hmm. to the rule, you know what I'm saying, and Carl Anthony Towns. Ben Simmons, of course, has only been in the league for a year. And, and Andrew Wiggins and Anthony Davis and, of course, Kyrie Irving. But there are a lot of whole, there are a lot of other guys who have bounced around in this league and have only been in the league for five years or less. Hell, D'Angelo yes. Russell is already on team two right now. Team number two. And that's yes. just one example. There are a ton of other guys that are bouncing around a whole lot because they just ain't ready. Yes. And that's a that's and they need they the NBA needs to fix that. You know, but like I said, all I have to do is scalp better, use better common sense, and none of this crap would be happening but alas you know, a lot of these guys are idiots and um Unfortunately, it's taking a toll on the game itself, and they may have to protect themselves from themselves again with this addition, another raise of the age limit. So we'll see. But anyway, thanks a lot for joining me, brother. Have a good weekend. No problem, Scott. Keep, keep Firefield Day alive. I know you're a Bullets, uh, a Wizards fan, but keep Firefield Day alive. Hey, as long as you guys like it, I love it. All right, there you go. Appreciate it, bro. All right, that's my guy, Dwayne. Please check him out every Tuesday night on Blog Talk Radio, uh, Season Radio, as well as the sports blog, the Yardstar HBC Sports. Well, I'll be on a two-week hiatus starting next week because I'm going to be out of the country, enjoying life on a much-needed vacation. So at any rate, but, uh, you know, uh, like until that point, I'm going to be doing some additions on, uh, on, on Facebook. I'm going to be making up blog posts here and there. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But anyway, uh, I'll be to think about y'all from the beach, and uh, I'll uh, 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 talk to y'all in two more weeks. So until then, thank you for joining me. This is Scott Burks with Klein Hours signing off. Oh, six, peace.